This is the Beyond the Studio podcast, and you're listening to Season 3, Beyond the Studio East Coast Edition. I'm Amanda Adams. And I'm Nicole Muller, and we're here to help you figure out the business of being an artist. Here we'll have honest conversations with artists, makers, and business experts, and dive deep into the work that happens beyond the studio. If you find value in listening to these conversations, please consider leaving us a rating and a review or sharing some of your favorite episodes with your creative community. It's the easiest way to show us some love and help others find the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. All right, on today's episode of Beyond the Studio podcast, we're speaking with Abraham Lule, um, based currently in Queens, New York. Uh, Abraham is an illustrator, graphic designer, specializing in type design and package design, um, and we're really excited to be talking with them today. So Abraham, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me, and hello everyone who is listening to this. Yeah, would you like to um, just introduce yourself and your work a little bit more in your own words? Um, tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, this is like that's the, probably the most difficult thing on this kind of just tell us about yourself. <laughs> it's like the worst right. interview question uh, you can get. I mean, what you just said, I think, is pretty accurate of what I do and who I am. I'm from Mexico. Um, I've been living here in New York for about five years straight uh, from now. But in total, is like nine years. Uh, I was back and forth in the past. And about my work, yes, I do a lot of packaging design, specialized on alcohol and the hospitality section. Uh, I do a little bit of branding. And what I love to do is really have like a hand touch on everything that I do. So with the use of the computer, of course, but um, I always start my process out of the computer so I can be completely focus on what I'm doing and then hop on the on the computer back to the computer. Yeah, we always like to ask about um, your early influences and you know what led you to pursuing this career in art and design. Um, was this something that you always envisioned for yourself growing up? Um, did you have you know mentors or people that were kind of encouraging you down this path um, when you were younger? What what did that um, look like for you? I mean, being a kid, like, you know, like my early memories of me being creative is being a kid and drawing and being interested in, in, on graphics, really. Um, I, it became sort of like what I could do for a living, like, hey, what are your abilities? And then uh, you take it from there. But really, I started um, studying advertising, not graphic design. Graphic design came to me almost by chance. My mom couldn't afford really paying a, a tuition for me in college. And then she got a job at a university which allowed her to have a scholarship for her kids. And the only career they had available, <laughs> similar to mine, it was graphic design. Uh, at, the, at the beginning, it came like, a, oh my God, like a bucket of ice on me. Like now I need to start from scratch. I was already three years quote unquote late in comparison of my high school mates. But then I really liked it. I just realized that that was really my 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 area. I got a lot of talented teachers and then I just got, yeah, really hooked with the whole discipline. So you were actually studying advertising at another school and then transferred into a graphic design program? 
So what happened is after, right after high school, I went to, I moved to Buenos Aires mm-hmm. and I studied advertising there. Then I came back to Mexico because I couldn't live with my family, really. I was so far from them and I I was getting homesick almost every day. So <laughs> I, I couldn't handle it. Uh, I was so young. And then I kept studying uh, uh, advertising and when then got the scholarship for graphic design, they told me that, will, that they will do like some sort of bridge between the two because there are similitudes. But... I did all. I did it all again. Uh, I started from scratch. There was no consideration of the subjects I took previously, and or nothing like that. Although I have to say that, of course, that the whole setup of advertisements, advertising, sorry, kind of created the base for me to really start in graphic design. And in comparison of my other classmates, they were like, "Oh my God, you know more because you are older than us." Uh, or like this idea of like, you are the old man in the classroom, which made me feel really bad at the beginning because also my my high school mates, they were all almost like getting jobs already. And this idea that I was behind, it got me sad for a moment. And then that was kind of my, my fuel to make it even better. Like, okay, this is my chance. This is the last strike I have to make <laughs> some sort of, of living out of this. So... I just put my my all attention on it. Yeah. And so did you have an idea at that point after you made this transition into focusing on graphic design that you would return to advertising um, or kind of pursue those types of job opportunities after school? Or did that also start to shift, you know, what um, what your vision for what you might do in the future was like? What were some of the maybe early earliest uh, professional experiences that you had outside of school? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think the idea I had of what I was going to do after advertise- advertising was very different from the idea I had when I was studying graphic design. There was a movie from director uh, Alejandro González Iñárritu, a Mexican director. His earliest movie is Amores Perros. He's a director of Birdman and Babel and Tony Van Grams. And he was, an adver- uh, he was in advertising. So my idea of going to advertising, it was like kind of becoming someone like him. And when I start, started studying graphic design, I realized like, okay, the, the discipline offers all this much, what I can do. And kind of like became clearer for me, like, no, I want to do branding. I want to bring... Uh, others' ideas to life and communicate what their values are. And later on, almost at the end of college, I got interested in motion graphics. And that kind of was like almost my last year in uni, just focused my attention on motion graphics. So when you graduated from school then, what what happened next? What was maybe those those first few years? Um, <laughs> yeah. I kind of like to establish the timeline and I think we're always interested to especially to hear about that that time, you know, in life because it, it can tend to be so so confusing for a lot of people or, you know, it's often those formative kind of early career experiences that set you on your trajectory. So um, I always love hearing about, you know, what was your, what was your experience uh, kind of entering into the quote unquote real world after school? Right. Yeah. There's always this teacher that tells you, wait until you are out there. Uh, And I was always making fun of that kind of quote. 
Yeah. Well, as I said, I had like these previous experiences studying and I always I always felt that I was behind. So when I started studying graphic design, I was really desperate to prove everyone that I could do a living. So I started working on actually a graphic design, not agency, but as a graphic designer, my second semester in uni. So that kept me working like almost my whole career, my whole college career. I, st- I worked for almost four years before I actually graduated from college. So I was also doing that because I wanted to be sure that I wouldn't be then again depressed of not of not having a job and then we're looking for opportunities. So I was creating kind of like this parachute for me to then hop on out of the hill and then just fly. So yeah, my expectation also was I had none. I was taking everything that I that that it was available for me. There was this I feel like when you are younger. I don't know if you have you guys have felt like this, but that you know it all, but then you realize that you don't know anything at all. <laughs> so that it feels like um, yeah, that's relatable. <laughs> I don't know. I feel that I, I I knew it all. Like I am the king of the world. Just wait for it. And and I I I think that attitude helps you go through a lot of things because really you don't know anything. <laughs> and then uh, that kind of. Um, creates a personality, like a great personality full of naiveness and, in a way, humbleness, but at the same time, cockiness. And that kind of opened the doors to a lot of opportunities. I was really believing that I was, I am the best doing this. And and that led into having job, job opportunities. In this first place I got, I remember the interview with a, uh, I, I don't even, I don't even think that this person was like the, the person that should be doing the interview, it was just a person that was available to make the interview. And she asked me, by the way, this happened because a friend of mine recommended me because he couldn't do the job. He was younger than me. He was into video games and he was doing uh, programming and he was there just to learn from others because he knew the owner. And they asked him to do something in Illustrator. And then he said, like, hey, you're looking for a job. You need a job. Uh, and you are learning how to do things in Illustrator. Just come to the interview. And I went there. And she asked me, well, where is your portfolio? Where is your resume? Where, where is your experience? And I had nothing. I mean, I was like, portfolio? Resume? Experience? Like, what are you talking about? And and she told me, like, well, it's very difficult to, to know if you're going to be uh, able to do the job because I don't have any proof. And I said, listen, if you hire me, you're going to hire the best person to do the job ever. Like, it's me. You're going to be surprised. <laughs> I left the place. I went to the movies, I remember. And I think at the middle of the movie, I received a call and, and you were like, hey, you got the job. Just come tomorrow and we'll take it from there. Oh um, that God. was my first job. I was petrified because I, I didn't know anything. And then um, I started really doing like translating Excel files into Illustrator, like line by line. It was so difficult. It was for this editorial company in, in education. And then they promoted me to being a designer. At the, at the same time, I was like probably my past my first year in uni. And then I stayed there. And then they really kind of hiring me without my title. Uh, the go- the company was growing, and then I started illustrating. Then I started kind of art directing some of the parts. 
then they offered me a, a position to do more uh, motion graphics because they knew I could do it. And at the end of my of of college, I got promoted to be the the director of the editorial team, wow. which pissed off a lot of people, especially the ones that were already graduated and people that had probably like five years more of experience. Some of them actually left that company because that happened. They were like, this cannot happen. We cannot believe that this person uh, could be better than us. And they quit. I stayed there, I think, for more uh, one more year. And then I, I just move on to the next gig. Oh, my goodness. To be young and confident. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that, 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 that what I was telling you. Like, somehow, when I think of being younger, you don't know anything. And then you feel that you know it all. And that creates really a, a, a good personality to confront these situations, which I think is great. It sounds way better than how I was approaching things, where I was, like, basically stopping myself from from success because of self-doubt where I was like I'm not even going to try for that because I already know I can't do it when now as I like age has kind of given me more confidence where I'm like you know what what have I got to lose actually more now but you know it's fine I can I can try I can go for it this is like a slight segue but not really but I I always am curious to hear how People kind of get into doing more personal projects and like freelancing when a lot of your creative work before was specifically for a job and like the the creative work that they needed. But how did you start to kind of build up your own personal portfolio and and, and your own kind of client base? I guess that that was, as I said at the beginning, it was I was always that kid when someone needed something graphic, I was there for it. So for me then, my, my homework at, at, at uni became my personal project, really. I had, no, I had no other place to express that. So then I was doing, I was kind of like an overachiever at, at, at college. I was just like overdeveloping homework. I was very nerdy. I stayed late in, in, in the classroom. So that kind of also led to explore other areas um, more personally, um, especially on the graphic, uh, on the motion graphic side, the school that I attended when I was younger didn't have like really a, a big program in motion graphics. And back then, and this is going to be like a bit of showing my age <laughs> to the audience. There wasn't, there was, there were a few tutorials, but not plenty. So that also became some sort of expedition, like finding those materials and creating these pieces. Film and main title sequences and end credits was all, always something that attracted to me. It was uh, uh, So I kind of started doing that as a personal project too. Going back to your answer, I feel like I, I Amanda, I, I somehow wished that I was then as confident as I was. <laughs> you know, like, oh my God, you then... You have been through all of this, and how can you be as confident as you were? And sometimes I feel like, oh, my God, I'm so nervous. We have more to lose <laughs> that, now. That's what happens. <laughs> now that we're older, there's there's right. more at risk. It's like, oh, now I have bigger bills. I have, like, you know, people or, or animals or, or, you know, people I'm responsible for, too, and there's there's more at stake. There you go. That's exactly exactly how I feel. But, yeah, I mean, personal progress is, 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 is something that I did. Uh, explore 
And I had a dance academy as well when I was doing all this. Uh, I was a dance teacher. And that kind of also was my personal project. It was this uh, platform for me to do whatever I, I wanted. So if we were doing recitals, we were like, okay, so we are going to have like flowers on the floor or like you're going to have this dress and then she's going to be like doing this. So that kind of um, create more confidence on me and, and give me more creative freedom uh, as exploration. Wow, that's so interesting. It was like you were building experience um, in art direction through this completely other endeavor you were involved in. I love this idea. I mean, it sounds like this, you know, was challenging to have to, you know, work alongside going to school and have all these other projects, but kind of became an asset in that you were building up this portfolio that maybe you didn't have when you landed that first job, but, you know, being able to kind of immediately apply everything that you were learning as you were kind of moving up and growing um, in this you know, professional environment. And by the time you graduated, it sounds like you already had, you know, this great opportunity that you were able to just shift focus and kind of fully dive into. And I wish we all had a little, a little more of that spirit uh, to be able to, you know, create opportunities for ourselves and uh, to just go in and kind of seize, yeah, seize opportunity. And um, I love that, you know, you're able to carve out the space just by, um, Maybe it was being a little bit naive, but just believing that you could do it, you know, and I think um, that's such a great lesson for every creative um, and freelancer, too, I think, because um, we can be plagued by self-doubt or I know that's Amanda and I talk about that a lot as being, you know, a kind of a those self-limiting beliefs can sort of hold you back. Mm -hmm. But to just, you know, kind of say yes and commit to things that maybe you're not quite sure if you're able to rise to the challenge yet, but you just sort of figure it out as you go along. And um, I think there's definitely merit to that too. I love that. Something interesting for me is that I feel like uh, growing up, I grew up desiring a lot of things. So for me, desiring things has always been like a, like a drive, you know. And when I was in high school and the vision that I had for my of my friends in high school that they were like doing great and everyone was doing great but me and when I had the chance to okay so this is college like you'll do it I feel like that was really my motivation like I was ready to okay I need to put it up I need to do whatever it takes to feel more confident and that was actually part of the, um, the decision moving to Buenos Aires to start like from scratch like move away from here and really learn about that uh, about from the experience that's something that I if listeners in here are younger than me or than us I highly recommend that I feel like desiring something is very important grow up desiring something because then that becomes like a, a, an expectation of yourself and you want to achieve something to prove something and that is uh, a good good it's good to have yeah, I mean, especially as a creative person where so much of your, your you know, opportunity and career relies on that self-motivation and making opportunities happen for yourself, um, and even more so as a, a freelance creative where you're kind of responsible for generating projects for yourself, um, just that drive to continue to, to, you know, push and challenge yourself and to keep, keep moving forward is really important. Yeah. 
So I'm curious, at what point did you make this move to New York then? I mean, hearing how, you know, the move to Buenos Aires, which is also a, a long distance, uh, you know, to, to be feeling homesick um, and to want to, you know, come back home to Mexico, then moving all the way to New York seems like a huge shift. So I'm really interested to hear what motivated or inspired that and what brought you to where you are now. Yeah, the idea of, prior to the idea of New York, it was an opportunity to go to the Vancouver Film School and really developing that idea I had of doing motion graphics. So I, I applied for a scholarship, and when I got the scholarship, it was so expensive. <laughs> and I was like, I, can't, I cannot do this, not even saving everything that I have right now. And I'm already working like a million things. So the next thing available really was to start looking something in the U.S. because I wanted to have that international experience, like uh, studying on a different language to kind of also give me more growth. At that point, I don't think that I was homesick anymore. I was like in the in an age that also my mom was like, "Okay, get out of the house." <laughs> uh, and so we were. I think we were both ready. It wasn't the same person as I was when I was eighteen. Um, and building all these experiences, I think I was just ready and looking forward for having this push, like, you know, um, because I was, yeah, I was confident. So that confidence so led me to, okay, you you have achieved all this. What would you, what else you can do? I also felt that it was the best way for me to start looking at New York as a, as a city where I can work. So I applied to SVA for the continuing education program. And I mean, that is a uh, Pretty much, it is a very straightforward process. And I just saved all my money for a year, including the Dance Academy. And and then I came. And that was the first experience I had uh, living here in New York. And so you were going through the program at SVA um, when you first moved out to New York? Yes. Yeah, that was the, the first thing. I, I mean, that was really the purpose of coming, uh, just coming here. Uh, studying these um, workshops that there were, I took three, two in motion graphics and one in typography with Ed ben which is still now, is probably the class, the one class that I use every day in what I do. And I remember vividly that, I think it probably was the second class that he, he says something about spacing in, in typography and I wrote it and until today is the one tool I use when I'm working. Wow. So did you think at that point that you would remain in New York? Or I guess, did you think this was just going to be an experience that you had, you know, to, to go to school and then you would kind of t return to your professional life at home? Or did you really see this as a chance to kind of start over? And did you think that you would be building a new life and, you know, starting to, to get professional opportunities in New York as well? Yeah, I'm a, I'm an optimistic person, so that was my hope. Like, yeah, something something movie I like is gonna happen to me. You know, I'm gonna be riding the subway with, uh, I don't know, like a, a creative director, and they're gonna offer me a job. That's gonna happen. Uh, so it's New York. Like Anything could happen. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's how I felt. That's how I felt. Like, I I'm just it. gonna be there. But because of that, I was really kind of showing off everything that I could do. So it was like, I can sketch here and I can sketch there and I do this and I do that. Um, 
so it was yeah attracting eyes to what I was doing. So what happened, and this uh, is a, an interesting story. I was living. My apartment wasn't really an apartment; was like kind of a hotel for internationals. It was just one room that I was sharing with someone else. It was just the bed, just the bed, one desk, one chair, no closet, no cabinets, no drawers, no bathroom, no kitchen, and she's also Mexican, and and there was a Mexican designer who one uh, came to Mexico giving a conference who had a studio in New York. And he, in the conference, very friendly said, and if you come to New York, <laughs> you'll say hello and we can meet. So, you know, like, I feel like it's something that everyone does to keep things mm-hmm. friendly. Well, we were the ones who actually took the call. And, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and it actually was me who were like, hey, I'm here. You once said that in a conference that we, we could reach out to you. So here I am. And he never replied. But then he posted something in, in like the same week that he was looking for help to paint a mural. And I say, well, I can help too. And he didn't reply either. But oh he replied to my, to my roommate. And, oh, my God. And, and she went to, to the paint a mural. I was so jealous. And she came back and she said, hey, they, they are looking for help. Well, I've been, I've been writing him. <laughs> um, and, and then she's like, oh, he's just saying that you should just come. I went there. I think it was the last day. We, we helped with the mural. It was, like, it was crazy painting. It was a huge mural. But it felt like, okay. Things are happening. I'm part of the creative workforce of, of New York. So here I am painting with these amazing people. I was so happy. And by the way, we just went there because of the food as well. I was so poor. I had no money. And they were offering lunch. I was like, okay, I'll paint. So that night, he knew that I was studying at SBA too. And he was a teacher at SBA. And he asked me, hey, what are you studying? Oh, I'm doing motion graphics. Oh, I'm going to need some some motion main title sequence for this mural to, to have in my case study. Will you be up for uh, do it, doing it? I said, huh, let me check my idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Like, I, I, I don't even ask for how much it's going to, what's your budget, <laughs> you know? Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to do it. And, and I did. I went to his studio. I did the, the main title sequence. He loved it. He got very happy. And he kept me in the studio for a week or longer than a week. It was at the end also of my, of my time in New York. I was coming to the point that I need to go to Mexico. My, my, my ticket was already uh, there for me to go back. And at the end, he, he actually paid me for what I did. I wasn't expecting it. I was so happy. The first thing I, I did was just going to Williamsburg and buy a burger and a beer. I was so happy. I was just like, oh, my God. I went to this beer garden in, in Williamsburg that I think is still there. It was a magic night. And he told me, hey, if you are open to move to New York and, and work here, uh, I think we can, we can keep that door open. And that's really the, what happened next. I went back to Mexico. Uh, and he asked me to come back uh, after like four months or something for a small project, and then I'll go back to Mexico, and then he will ask me to come back. 
we did that back and forth for probably two years working with him. I love that story. It's it's like there's so much value in just kind of showing up and I think following the sort of small, I mean, like you said, that kind of open invitation that, you know, who knows if he was really serious in the moment, but kind of following through on that and that becoming your one lead and then just, you know, seeing where it takes you, but um, just kind of having a little bit of that, you know, bold <laughs> spirit to just to just show up there and, you know, to follow through. I think um, it's it's amazing. I, I just felt like at every stage of the story, it's like, and the rest is history. You just, <laughs> now here you are. <laughs> Um, but it really starts with those small events, you know, and, mm. uh, yeah, that's, it's a great story. <laughs> so it sounds like you yeah. were back and forth for a time before kind of making the more permanent move up to New York. Yes. Yes. It was that back and forth with him, which I am so grateful that he allowed me to have that experience with him. He almost took, took me uh, under his wing. He was so well, he's so well connected here. So I happen to see like a better, better overall of what it's like to work in New York and being a creative in the city. That was really important. Yeah. But, you know, like these, these happen all of, because I had the same naiveness because I was, he actually once, one told me, you are very innocent. When I heard that, I kind of felt that it was, it wasn't a compliment, <laughs> but then I was <laughs> went to bed and thinking of it and I thought no it's actually a compliment because then I feel like uh, in my experience the more you know at least me I feel I start creating judgments on what the others are saying or what experiences or being a bit more uh, defensive on things and back then I was just just why not you know I was just saying yes to, to everything and applying uh, um, to my own experience uh, so I'm glad I did because that really created um, more of my personality as well. Yeah, I feel like now maybe time and age gets you, not you specifically, but like gets us a little bit jaded. So I guess he was probably trying to say like, you're not jaded yet. You, you've still, you've still <laughs> got some spark in you. <laughs> the city hasn't destroyed you. <laughs> right. Uh yeah, and it is 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 right. Like, also living in New York sometimes for longer times. I think there is a saying or a poem about this. Like, if you stay in like the West Coast and the East Coast, and you don't stay too long because then you'll be so tough. Uh, like you'll make make your skin uh, thicker. But I think it's actually true if you're living in a big city that kind of eventually will happen. Um, but when you're a fresh person. Start like just soaking in everything and I mean, more relaxed. And, and maybe I watched a lot of movies about New York, <laughs> so that was I, I was very optimistic about uh those experiences. Um, but again, I feel like I'm I, I'm glad I was that person. And this is something that I mean, this might sound as a criticism or a judgment on younger uh, generations. But right now, I feel like the way that we're connected and the way we're growing and, and the way we look up the next generation, I feel like there is something in, in when you are young, especially nowadays, with the use of technology and how fast things can be, that kind of removing that naiveness, that spontaneity on things, that kind of like a fairy tale almost, that that good things can happen, that, that it's, it's all about magic and connecting and showing up your talent and 
those things might happen. So now it's more about, um, no, 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 you need to start creating like your your website and you do your amazing portfolio and you need to be a rock star in design when you are 13. <laughs> like, And I'm sure that those stories happen. But there was something interesting for me in my experience that not knowing about anything, um, it became an asset to to achieve things. That's so relatable because I think a lot of... Um... I mean, a lot of times, probably at every age, we'll be comparing our, ourselves or seeing like younger people being more professional, more successful at younger ages. And there's this pressure to, to be better earlier and and to like, I don't know, I I think there's nothing wrong with taking however long it takes you to to get to wherever you need to be. Mm. And I mean, that's sort of a vague way to say it. But, you know, we're all on our own timelines and our own journeys. And, you know, I'll look at artists that are younger than me and that are doing unbelievably impressive stuff. And I'm like, I was not thinking about that when I was your age. And I wish I had been. But then at the same time, I'm like, I look forward to seeing what you're making in your 30s. Like, it'll be fun to watch you advance. And, you know, I, I took the path it took me, and, and here I am, and, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love that. Uh, it's, it's this kind of thing that your parents, that you used to hear from your parents, you young generation, you don't know about anything. And then, oh my God, I'm sounding like my mother. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Is um, I, I see sometimes like, kids that look professional like their work looks already professional i think might be related to uh the development in technology as well like the the way that um we are creating work uh, and our work especially in the creative industry but again i agree with you in yeah your career is not just your 20s or your career is is this long and how long you want to for how long you want to keep doing this and keep this alive and keep it, keep it fresh. That thing is, it requires skill. And I always have this in, in my head about the difference between prestige and popularity, that they are totally different. And I think prestige is, at least me, is where I want to be. So if it takes more than 60 years to, to get there, I think it's worth, worth trying. Yeah. And I mean, just thinking about, you know, what it must be like to kind of be growing up as a young, a young aspiring creative or designer around this time. It's just that this, this fear of influence is so much broader than I think, I mean, at least when, you know, Amanda and I were entering high school, college, it's like, you know, we had the internet, social media was just kind of emerging as a thing, but definitely not a like a professional tool or, you know, a means of It was of just MySpace, mostly. <laughs> yeah, so I just think about, like, you know, you're not just influenced by your, like, your community, your peers, your family, but it's like you have the entire world that, you know, is informing you, and that can be, that can be amazingly inspiring, but, you know, it can also be really um, kind of paralyzing and intimidating, and I think, you know, we even feel that now, so it's just, you know, how do you sort of intentionally create, almost create those blinders for yourself um when you were talking about going in with a certain like naivete i was just thinking about the the beginner's mind you know and how there can be real value and sort of not knowing what you don't know um and and just exploring and experimenting um figuring things out on your own so um i don't know i guess since we're talking about that do you feel like 
I mean, are there ways that you're, you try and preserve that now? Um, you know, being a little bit, a little bit more established, having had some experiences, um, do you feel like your career has sort of evolved or are there ways that you're, you know, trying to incorporate that same spontaneity, um, into your, you know, your work? That's such an interesting question. No, I think definitely part of me wanting to do everything by hand and away from the computer keeps that 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 same feeling, at least aesthetically. Of course, now I'm more aware of things than, than when I was before. And but that was also part of my move of working for big, big like big companies, crazy big companies, and starting my own independent studio where I can work for small companies like boutique, uh, Arnold Vineyards and, and breweries and uh, hospitality groups in the city. Like I can uh, have a one-on-one conversation with the owner because I feel like that for me that has always been important. Like bring kind of like, it's a human aspect, you know, uh, the same naivete that I was, that I was having when I, when I first came here is, a, is, is, is not the same, but it's similar of what we can do together of working in a small scale. Like uh, we don't need to have like big, loud things. What we can do, just the three of us or just the four of us and keep that spark alive. Especially because I recently was asked about this, like a big question, like what's your, um, what's your uh, purpose in the world? And oh. I mean, I don't know even how to answer that question. You know, just a little old question that like that. <laughs> that is our next question. But so, are, you know, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, we just like to incite an existential crisis into every guest that comes into the podcast. Oh, I know. Well, next thing you know, I'm crying here. Oh, um. No. <laughs> um well, I still don't know how to answer, but one of the things that I thought of is that spark. Um, you know, I think I love w- working with people that uh, that you can see the spark in their eyes. Uh, oh, I started this. I started doing these cookies when I was twelve, and now I want to finally have it as a business. And could you do the packaging? Or oh, my family started um, in beekeeping when I was a kid, and now we have honey. In and could you do the packaging? And like, I love those stories, and that, um, and that I think right now is what keeps that spark alive. Of, I hope that I can help others to to bring the quality of their products into life in a in a graphic way, so others can see it. Or I I hope that then I'm one day I'm gonna be on the street and someone I don't know is is gonna find what I do inspiring and and maybe they. They get motivated to do graphic design or do packaging in the way I do or approach things the way I do. Or even this podcast, you know, like uh, I I like to be invited to these um, exercises. So maybe someone in Mexico that listens to this or someone in India or someone in Argentina. And I don't know. Next thing you know, they will be drawing and sketching on the subway and they might get a, a job here. Oh, these kind of stories. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like your story is an example of that. It's like, you know, you find yourself in New York and you thought back to that one, you know, moment um, back home where this designer kind of, you know, put an open invitation out to a crowd of people. If you're ever in the city, come and find me, you know. And so I, I just think like those kind of small encounters, like I'm sure he wasn't thinking at the time what kind of influence that might have on you or on, you know, someone in the crowd. But I think that's a really... Um, beautiful chain reaction that it sets off where you know you're kind of um, I mean we've all experienced that I think like that kind of um, you know enthusiasm or you know passion or whatever you want to call it is just contagious so when you meet somebody who's just really has that um, that spark uh, like you said it's hard not to to get excited too and so I think there is this kind of you know beautiful uh, domino effect that occurs when Mm -hmm. you pass that along. I feel like knowing what we know about you now, I just imagine you starting to generate professional opportunities by like calling up, you know, companies on the phone or like walking into an office and saying, hey, hire me. Um, Is that really what happened or how how else were you starting to find um, projects maybe as a freelancer? It is exactly what I do. (laughs) <laughs> I just hand, I'm glad that we're just, spot on there. Right, I, I just hand uh, hand business cards in the subway to people. Yeah. And, <laughs> I feel like you know uh, well, yeah, yeah. You never know. Uh, my my partner looks at me in that way, like you'll never know. Like now knowing how people is in New York, you're gonna bother them. Like you. You go with people to people thinking like, oh, they're going to be bothered. I, I better not upset them. Um, so that's definitely not the approach that I that I use here. But before, when I was in Mexico on that back and forth, I actually did knock at the door of a, a local distillery. I knew like a kind of a friend of a friend. I asked around and and as 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 a friend who knew this person to introduce me. Um, so that's what I did, like really meeting with the, with the owner, showing my portfolio, putting the idea there, you know, it just takes plant the seed. And if you do have the, the skills, it will, it will grow. And that's really what happened that, uh, the gene label that I have in my portfolio, that's that project, which led to have that piece, which led to my vegan's portfolio. And then someone in New York saw it. And call me for a job here, which moved me um, permanently to New, to New York to work for them. That's how I got my job here. I feel like ninety percent of of coming here to New York to this studio, both forty nine, uh, was that label, and and that kind of it became like a magnet. Like once you are you are doing that, then you can you the the bar is here. So then you keep doing more, raising the bar working on this path, um, not same style, but same venue that it was on that example is the packaging for alcohol. And that keeps attracting people, like is is the magnets. So then you'll do more people. It will, it will become uh, louder what you do. It will attract others and others and others and others and others. And, and that's really what happened with my work. Uh, now, the latest project I did it was uh, Beneduce Vineyards, which is my first, very first project in in kind of like this area, New York, New Jersey. I was so happy. And the way 
they found my my work was through the gene again. So um, some sort of like dot connections, and that's really how I how I attract my clients. Yeah. Did you find that you had to be um, really proactive up to a certain point, or do you feel like once you know once that first kind of big project happened, that things just started to organically emerge, or you know people started to see that and and reach out to you? Well, I feel like that's always a hope that that that's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think every time that I do a project, I I always take it very personal. I always take it as as I was designing for me, or designing for the the ones I love. And I put like everything I have, like here is here is all. And as this is like the golden ticket, like this is going to be amazing for for them. And really, that's the the only motivation for me to do it. And I feel like that is kind of like what is raising the bar. Of course, in in this time, I've, I've had my roadblocks uh, that that I I'm like, oh, maybe this wasn't that good enough, or maybe this is not what I I'm not doing what what I don't know what I was expecting. Um, so I tried to do it all like just being focused on the project, not thinking of expectations for me, but rather focus on the on the product and the and the client. I don't know if this actually answered your question. Yeah, well, it sounds like that that approach has led to some word of mouth, and I'm sure that you know people that work with you um, can can sense that and appreciate it, and that's kind of led to other professional opportunities. Would you say, or other other projects have come out of that? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly that. Uh, well, of course, my working with my agent, I think also make my my voice louder with my work uh, give me more 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 of a platform to showcase my myself and also my work which also leads to uh, is leading to more opportunities uh, in my career I'm curious about that process of deciding like okay I want to get representation I want to have an agent I want to have uh, like I want to take it to the next level where what were um I guess the things that kind of led you to make that decision and how did you see your career shift as a result of making that choice? I think what happened, well, the story on that is by my almost fourth year at the studio, I think it was my fourth, third year uh, working for, for Vault 49. I just realized that I wanted to have independency in my career. But of course, being a Mexican and, and kind of easy I had, is not allowed to do just that that uh, shift that easy. So I needed to do that paperwork and have a visa as an uh, as an artist, as an independent artist. That it took me at least a year to do the whole process. It's probably the longest project I have done in my life. Um, and but at the same time, it's similar of what I'm gonna do, but. Uh, feeling confident of what I what I do, know how to do, um, I just thought like I'm gonna give it a try and and see what happens. Worst case scenario, I go back to Mexico. But um, of course, having an uh, an agent, it will it, it gives you like a, some support, like moral support. Uh, feel more like a your your safe net. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that word correctly, like safety net, um, mm-hmm. and. And but then in the same on the same lines of keeping myself positive and the naivete, I was I was painting at Colossal Media on a workshop in sign painting, 
and I was just doing my my stuff on the wall. And then later, a person in the studio told me, "Hey, one of my friends saw you painting at Console Media. It looks great." I'm like, "Really? Who? Oh, it's David Luther. Oh, good to know. Well, bye." And and then I met David Luther by by I think by by chance. And he is an amazing illustrator. We met at another workshop. I think it was lettering workshop, something in New York. And then we met at another lettering workshop. And I was like, are you just following me to all the workshops? <laughs> <laughs> so we became friends. And we were having tacos one night. And he said, hey, I just signed uh, with my agent closer and closer. Oh, great to know. Who is, who is your agent? Oh, Drew Melton. Drew Melton? Drew Melton, the lettering artist. Oh, my God, I admire his work so much. Oh, yeah, he's great. And now he's an agent. You should work with us. I'm going to send an email tonight uh, to put you both in contact. And he's going to love you. And next thing you know, he Drew called me and he goes, hey, I want to offer you representation. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and also, that's, I think, the magic of living in New York. Like, this kind of connection that you can have and you're more exposed to the creative community, um, the workshops and meeting with people that with similar um, um, minds or uh, similar interests. So that is kind of the story. And when I knew that he was interested in, in representing me, I just took, of course, I took his word because I knew that I was doing that, that, that switch. Do you feel like by taking on representation, have you noticed uh, I guess a difference in your work, like having someone else kind of bat in your corner to, do they help give you feedback? Do they um, kind of, I guess, are you seeing that affect the way that you're designing? Maybe not in the way I design, but in the way, for me, feeling supported, feeling that I have a team is huge. And Probably that's the way the, the the thing that I miss the most about working with a design studio. I had a team of hundred people and parents and everyone working uh, with the same goal. It happened the same in, when I was in the studio, but knowing that there is a person who is uh, looking after you, that is helping you with your goals, that is continuously asking you, "Hey, just checking in. How are you doing?" That changed the way I feel with with my work as an independent designer, uh, give, me, give me more confidence um, staying in New York because I feel, well, I, have, I haven't lived in any other place in the States rather than in New York, but in here is so expensive. So there's always this chance of like, I am gonna survive this year. And having an, having an agent in your safety net is uh, your supporting system too. Uh, and I always say thank you to them because of that, because the, the moment you feel that things are not well, you can go back to them or, or, or you can go with them and have a chat, maybe just five minutes. Maybe it's just like do this post or do an Instagram takeover. So there's always something to do that that keeps the, the machine, the machine well oiled. We always love to hear about different types of working dynamics and like Nicole and I as individual artists have solo practices where you know we really are just in our own little echo chamber of our own minds giving ourselves feedback uh, and as 
the podcast, we have each other where we can bounce ideas um, off of each other. And then we also have a couple people that we've collaborated with regularly that we bounce ideas off of. And it's, I always appreciate having that sense of community or just contact with people, um, especially now with the podcast, because in my solo practice, I'm like, I don't, I don't really talk to anybody. I don't interact with anyone. I'm just doing the work and putting it out there. And, you know, of course, there's some engagement online happening, but it's very different when you actually have someone that's like, that understands your work, understands what you're doing, understands your goals that you can check in with and talk to. Um, Now, segueing into how, how has it been going through this last year as as an artist in New York um what has that experience been like if uh if you're comfortable talking about that whether you know in a professional sense how it's affected your work or in a personal sense like how it affects the way that you work and and how you're able to work yeah that's another tough question I feel like um (laughs) yeah just just a little (laughs) question like that how's the pandemic affecting you in your life (laughs) oh I mean who is not affected right um Mm -hmm. is for me I I, I don't know like my artist side is so emotional so for me this sense of loss like they're just like a like a cloud of loss on on the world or by city or by building and you start feeling like this heaviness that was hard to to an idea hard to swallow hard to accept that it is going to be the day to day but on the other side at the beginning i felt this is kind of the things that when happen worldwide and there's no escape this is for me the first time that we experience this as society and in a way that kind of brings everyone together as well when, when you are part of the same pain, the same problems, of course, we're all treating them differently. But I felt that in the, on the positive side, at least we're all connected through, the, through this, right? Um, that I, I, is my personal side. Of course, the homesickness came back because being far from my family, and I mean, this is probably going to be so dramatic and romantic at the same time, but... You know, you don't know if you're gonna go back, and or if this is it, and then you might not say goodbye to anyone that you that you want to to say goodbye to. But um, on the work side, really, this was my first year to do it like completely independent. So what a year to, I, I picked to to start my independent life uh, as a as a designer in New York. Um, oh, so you just went sort of full-time freelance, um, like you, the visa and everything went through just before 2020? Yep, yep. So all 20... What a time for that to shift. I know. Um, wow. It was... Mm-hmm. So I think I stayed at, at Vault 49 for probably six months. It was my kind of like transition time. Almost all 2018, 2019, like half of half, Half and half was my visa, and then that transition that I was already working with closer and closer. Throughout all of it, I was doing my freelance side, but then officially, 2020 was my first year working independently. So I I rented a studio. I was ready to buy furniture, and we actually went there. I think it was the weekend of the 13th, the uh, March 13th. Oh wow! Yeah. That. 
And then I, I was just signing the contract like a week before. And then it all, all happened. And, well, you need to adjust, really. And, and, and I gave up my lease. I just didn't buy any furniture. I just stay here in the apartment. <laughs> and that, well, this is like a, like an almost laughable part of, of all this because two weeks in the pandemic when we were like extremely locked out uh, in the lockdown, my computer crashed. So oh, no. <laughs> I, had, I had all these projects and uh, the computer company was a mess anyhow. So at the beginning was a bit rough. Also, my partner is a, a choreographer and a dance teacher. Oh, wow. So, so the living room was pretty much like the design studio slash dance studio, uh, uh, design studio and dance studio at the same time, uh -huh. uh, switching gears into uh, chasse and palibure and and conference calls with clients <laughs> here. Um, so it was was tough for both to to experience that here in the apartment. But aside of that, it was my best year ever professionally professionally wise yeah i had really really good opportunities uh especially working with uh, for the alcohol industry uh winemakers um tequila makers i had a chance to work with jose cuervo for a for a project through mechanism the agency i did a rebrand and repackaging for a really important mezcal too um it's like people are drinking and, and, more for some reason <laughs> <laughs> i wonder why and, yeah. <laughs> right I, I feel like yeah that's that's true it is it, it, it sounds like a joke but it's actually true. <laughs> yeah um, no it's it's kind of um, fascinating to see what industries have been able to have experienced growth or have been able to pull through you know i think on the surface there is this Um, you know, there's so many challenges, obviously. So just the assumption that, you know, business is kind of ground to a halt. But um, to hear, you know, where where there actually has been opportunity, I think is also really interesting and um, helpful for creatives. And that's, that's great that it didn't, you know, at least in that sense, hinder, you know, this transition for you and, and making the shift to full time. And yeah, it, it was, I, I don't think that I ever stopped to think about it uh, until now that the year has passed. Um, and also my hospitality work for the restaurant industry that is in Australia. So, uh, I work with, a with a hospitality group in, in Sydney and the pandemic wasn't as bad as it was here. They actually opened, they opened a new restaurant in the middle of the pandemic and they started a big project in, in a, like on a mall and they were like, uh, doing renovations in their other locations and try, thinking of expansion. So I helped them out to do that too. Um, and that also kind of helped me out to understand really how things work globally. That it goes into more political and a more political uh, tone of voice right now because the way I could see how things were handled in, in Sydney at the same time that things were handled in Mexico yeah. or here and And then you have like this spectrum to feel like, oh my god, we are yes in the on on the same planet, but on very different situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what a trip to be working on those projects with people across the world. When I'm sure it felt like you know you're you're just kind of physically at the epicenter and um, 
almost living in these different realities. And yeah, it's interesting to hear about how other businesses have been able to navigate that worldwide and how, how different it is. Whereas, you know, here it just seems like hospitality has totally, you know, has been so impacted and just really slow to recover um, or, you know, still very much in the midst of it. So yeah, are those also this hospitality group? Are these projects that had come about through working with Closer and Closer um, because they're an international agency and I'm assuming have projects coming from everywhere? Or um, were these also things that had kind of come from outside of that? Are you taking on projects, um, you know, outside of your representation? Yeah, uh, uh, the, work, the work with Sydney Com is an old client that I, I had a uh, relationship with, like, probably over seven years, six years. And my representation through Closer and Closer is just for North America. So I sometimes bring in the Closer and Closer team if the project is big or big enough to have like, I don't know, client services, project management. So it's something that we can do together. As I said, I love having a team that it can be supportive of, of my work. So, um, so yeah. That happens with most of the of the clients here in the in the states, but for these projects overseas or in other countries like Greece or Spain or Australia, um, I most of the time do them by myself. Now you'd said that this ended up being your best year yet, which congratulations, that is amazing. Did you feel like throughout the year were you? still like were you able to be kind of strategic about what projects you were taking on or were you sort of like I don't know what to expect I'm just gonna say yes to everything and I'm asking that because that's definitely the attitude that I took at the beginning of the year I was like well I'm just not gonna say no to anything until we have some sense of what to expect from this world and now there's a little bit more clarity and it's like I can I feel like I can be more strategic but how did you go into the year thinking about projects when you knew that there was a pandemic? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I took that approach. Because, yes, give it all to me uh, and I'll do it. Which led into being completely overwhelmed and burnt out at the end of the year. Same. <laughs> it was a cheer for that because I feel like... Uh, I think it was September, no, like October, at the end of October, I had a call with everyone in the team from Closer and Closer to let them know that I couldn't work anymore, that I was completely worn out. And and this also was the first time that the idea of, are you designing because you really like to design or because you were that kid that knew how to draw and I think it was because I was already born out. I was tired to even think of myself as a non-designer. Like, uh, I love this question that I heard from Jocelyn K. Cly of, of, uh, about who you are without the doing. Yes, and I listen to her slowly, too. <laughs> She's so yeah, good. Amanda and I are always exchanging those episodes. Oh like, did you hear this? No, uh, that so, episode was so good. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> Fans. <laughs> Jocelyn, come on the show. Yeah. Jocelyn, we're um, out there. We love you. <laughs> yeah, we we're love all you. down we're to here. hang out. Uh, we'll hop on Zoom, whatever. Who are we without yeah. the doing? Yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah, and well that question is something that 
it happened to me. Uh, I, it, it came to me in the middle of the pandemic, and it resonated so much with me. Because it, yes, I I know who I am with the doing, but who I am without the doing, really. Um, so I ask uh, I ask closer and closer to to stop receiving inquiries and just pushing back on projects uh, because I wanted to have December off. So I literally just took the whole month uh, off. I try we plan everything to finish at the beginning, and and then that gave me like you know brain space to to see everything what what happened and also take care of myself. Uh, I started going out, you know, like. I cannot go all the places, but at least run everyone and uh, everyone and then and and then have more exercise and eating healthier. And but this is the thing that when you when I was doing it, you shouldn't do it because you are already burned out. You need to find a way to spread these things out evenly through the year, um, and that I think was 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 healthy because it was my first year doing it like that and having that that experience. Then now I know what is priority, what to what to strategic, strategically do, and and start pacing a little bit more. This also relates back to the idea of confidence for me because I feel like burnout can so often happen as a result of. I mean, of overworking or overextending and not creating boundaries, you know, in your life around work or, you know, how many projects you're taking on at once. And I think, and completely understandably this year, especially, I think we've all been feeling, you know, burnout in a really deep sense. But um, I also think it can sometimes originate from a kind of a, you know, a little bit of insecurity or like a scarcity mindset. Like if I don't say yes to this project, what's going to happen? Or, you know, I I have to keep working because, um, you know, if I don't, like, will there be other projects on the horizon? Or I don't know, I guess these are questions that I've been asking myself. And I think that, you know, having confidence, not only in yourself, but maybe confidence isn't the right word, but just a kind of trust in the process and in, you know, in the future, which has been, I think, really, we've all been tested in that this year. And Mm. um, so to, to still be able to create, I don't know, some sense of to create some boundary or to recognize, you know, what, what we need, um, that it, it does take a, you know, a certain amount of, of trust and confidence. And so, uh, maybe not in the same way of kind of, you know, busting into an office or showing up and saying, Hey, hire me. But I think in a, like a quieter sense, just, you know, setting healthy boundaries, um, for your life and not taking on more work than you can handle. And that to me seems like also a sign of maturity and something that, I know I'm still trying to figure out how to how to implement, but yeah, taking time off. I don't know, especially in these times, uh, it just feels like a really powerful thing to do. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you too. Is this is also something that um, maybe you guys relate as well? But these we are all goal oriented, and and I feel like eventually, I suddenly just just became about just just being better, like. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Just be better. Like, yeah. just do your best. And but then, how you can set up goals and expectations, high expectations of yourself in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a global crisis, and on top of all what you have already, 
I feel like that it's overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, on top of all, all the also all the visual stimulation that we have out there, like it just becomes like a really loud noise to me. And and this is something that I think going to like the the healthy side of this, how you can implement a healthy a healthy point in your in your in your workspace. What is healthy for you to work on? For me, is painting. Every time that I am out of the computer. It's easy. It's easier for me to to have focus, to really being on 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 my on my juice in my juice. You know, like I don't get distracted. Uh, I'm just doing it. I really I'm focused, and then I can go to the computer. If I just work on the computer seated, then I get very anxious, and that is something that I discovered you know, during this time, and and it's something that I would like to continue doing in like for for longer um, to have a healthier relationship with my work i want to have a healthy relationship with my work something that i can i can really savor and 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 get satisfied by doing it yes that is very relatable i feel like before the pandemic so much of our i say our as like a collective society our focus was on productivity and like efficiency and like doing the the best work as quickly as you can as yeah it just was a lot of rushing towards burnout and now that we're at this time where we're kind of at a default level of exhaustion at all times that need to care for ourselves as individuals care for our bodies care for our minds let ourselves sleep and go outside and like try to talk to people uh, whenever we can safely those needs are so much more at the forefront and so much more of a priority and I know even with this podcast like we definitely were very focused on like how can we talk to artists about business and now it's like how can we talk to artists and see how they're doing <laughs> and yeah thank you for for letting us talk to you and letting us see how how you're doing um do you have any, uh, I guess, final thoughts before we wrap it up? Any any final words? <laughs> this was amazing. <laughs> I'm speechless now. <laughs> this has been such a uh, joyful and, and happy conversation with you too. Yeah, I feel like uh, I would like to to listen then to myself to this episode and and have like a, a smile in the mind. Uh, after listening to it. Yeah, that's why we record them because I feel like Nicole and I were having so many conversations that were like, I kind of want to just hear that back because I feel like I maybe gave myself the advice that I needed to hear <laughs> while talking through. <laughs> and obviously, it's just great to be able to share the podcast with other people. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe our lived experiences can help others through their lived experiences and and... We can all be a little better together. Before we go, where can listeners find your work and uh, how can they like follow you online or support you? I think uh, uh, at the moment it feels like all over the place, but Abraham Lule, L-U-L-E, as it sounds, is on Instagram. Dribble, my website is also abrahamlule.com or workbylule.com and... I feel like that, those are my only platforms. <laughs> You're not on TikTok Twitter. or Snapchat uh, or whatever else the kids are doing these days. No, 
But hey, if you come to New York, just, <laughs> just knock the door. There it is, folks. Um, yes. Well, we might take you up on that in future times when hopefully we can visit New York again. But um, yeah, careful. I mean, uh, I suppose it really uh, made an impact in, on your life. But um, putting it out there to listeners, uh, it might just they might just follow through. So if they've taken anything away from this conversation. Hopefully they do. <laughs> Thank you so much. If we cannot meet in an indoor space, we'll just yes. go. <laughs> yes. Love it. Perfect. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. And thank you, everyone, for listening. That's it for this episode of the Beyond the Studio podcast. You can find show notes, references, and a brief summary of the episode over at our website, beyondthe.studio. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our mailing list to find out about upcoming guests, special announcements, and podcast giveaways. 